The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Are you going to project it onto the TV? <laughs> We're live. <laughs> Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show, to Culture Insanity. This is season three, episode seven. Uh, we're on a what, like a four episode streak now, a four week streak or something. Yes, and it is on the TV for the record. <laughs> yeah, so we're on a we're on our seventh episode. COVID has us um, airing all the time now. So, um, for those of you tuning in, you can see we have Pastor Monty now on a screen for you to see his voice, not just hear his voice through a phone or something. So welcome back, Pastor. Hola. Hola. <laughs> um, okay. We have our nice fire in the background here. Staying warm during these troubling times. Um, yeah, so welcome back. Um, so we're, uh, we're on a um, short agenda, I guess you can call it today. Um, first of all, we want to debrief and talk about our watch party last night. We did our first ever Culture Insanity Netflix watch party. Um, it was a raging success. Yes, we, no, it wasn't. Um, (laughs) we watched the movie, The Roommate, the 2011 sleeper hit, really redefining the phrase sleeper hit because it was so boring. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we watched the 2011 sleeper hit, The Roommate, uh, which was not memorable. Well, I was saying that like within within like a minute or something of it starting, I was like, this is single white female, but nobody knew what I was talking about. Hmm. Then afterwards, we watched a trailer for single white female. Which actually was, looked better. Yeah, well, it was a really <laughs> it's really well-known movie. It was uh, Bridget Fonda and... Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee, who still manages to stay relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last thing I saw her in was uh, the Tarantino movie. She's the, she's the mother in Atypical, so she's got a show oh. that she's on right now. But she was the main character, for those of you who don't know, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was 1980s. So, we watched The Roommate last night. We had, you know, four or five viewers, so thank you to those uh, few that joined us. Uh, Pastor, what did you think of The Roommate? Pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple things I I don't allow myself to watch. So, I do watch stuff for research, and so I put this in that category for the audience's benefit, but uh, basically speaking... I don't watch chick flicks, and clearly, I don't watch movies that are that pathetic. Yeah, I guess I, I should I should exp- we we owe it to the the listener and the viewer to explain ourselves on why we picked the roommate. yes. And while you do that, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain because I need to fix something. Oh, that's a good angle. Keep it there. We didn't choose the roommate because we particularly liked it. In fact, we had never seen it. I had never even heard about it. Uh, so we didn't pick it out of any sort of bias whatsoever. I had suggested earlier in the evening that we look at Netflix's trending, you know, like what's popular or what's trending on Netflix, you know, how they have those categories or whatever. And this movie happens to be on the list of top 10 and not just the top 10, at least on Josh's login through his account, it was at the time when we picked it. The number, the number one, one trending movie. movie on Netflix for some reason. And that, uh, I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah, it's the number one movie in America at the time. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess it just takes one, one. Uh... Well, and, and one, of our, one of our faithful listeners and members of our church even said to us last night as we were getting ready to watch it, she's like, oh, yeah, I watched it yesterday. This is a movie from 2011. Yeah. It's not a particularly great movie either, for the record. No, it was the exact opposite. It was <laughs> boring. So, yeah, let's actually, like, just real quickly. People real, must real, be very desperate right now. Real, real quickly. Yeah, no, exactly. Real, real quickly, talk about what's what's redeeming of the movie. And, of course, you know why I say that, or I there's there's no particular reason why I say that, but um, what's what can we take from the movie? Anything of value? Go. <laughs> you got anything, Pastor Monty? 
Yeah, I think that you could take that um, people need to be in better connected to their surroundings and the people they associate with and what and and what they uh, you know what they do clearly there were signs from the very beginning that uh, that this girl had uh, issues so you're gonna label it more as like a like a, a grim fairy tale like a cautionary tale a, mora- a morality tale <laughs> well to to a degree that a you know, as as, uh, <laughs> as believers I believe that that part of what we need to do is uh, situational awareness. <laughs> Yeah, clearly protects us from a lot of the evils that are surround us. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the ten second synopsis for those of you that are listening: this woman's in college and she gets a roommate, hence the title. And this new roommate happens to be this woman with like schizophrenia, and she's like obsessive, and she basically wants to become become the the, the college girl. Uh, wants to be her best friend, wants to be her sister, wants to become her, and she's like super obsessive and it drives her to making uh, extreme <laughs> choices. It's an age-old story, honestly. So that's the quick synopsis for those of you that are like, what are they even talking about? But Yeah. Um, so discerning of our surroundings, observant, situational awareness. Yes, absolutely. What would you say, Josh? Well, there was the one point uh, that I thought was really interesting with the the great Billy Zane. The great Billy Zane. That's right. Billy Zane was in this movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, just he said something about fashion. Mm. And he said that fashion was uh, started in the Garden of Eden when Eve gave Adam the fig leaf. And I thought, huh, you know, it sounds quippy, but um, – it's interesting. There might be something in there. Yeah, there might there might be something to that. I got to think about that. Fashion or vanity or narcissism or something. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 other thing is is that uh, for all of the uh, gals out there that want to uh, oh, here we know, go have uh, piercings. Oh yeah, <laughs> beware! I thought the way she pierced her, her did she put on that earring. Oh. Oh yeah. That was. That's definitely the way that it should be done. <laughs> Strangely enough, not, not the only thing having this, to do with piercing. None of this anesthetic <laughs> stuff just pushed that baby through. I thought you were going to talk about the part where the one woman got her belly ring ripped out as a uh, as a threat. To Which, not, by the way, I called. Not come around anymore. You know what? <laughs> I'm thinking about that. I'm getting flashbacks. I think I may have seen that movie already. Really? Yeah, you know, working at the theater, it's like you see... Well, I saw, like, everything, but... Maybe not. I so don't know. you didn't predict anything. You just remembered things. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe it was just so predictable that it feels like. <laughs> we're in our watch party. We were having we were having uh, bets on the turn of events and stuff. Yes. You know, who's the first to die? Who's the? What's going to happen with this person? Anyways, so we apologize to those of you that watched this movie with us last night. Uh, and we look forward to a better movie in the future. <laughs> yeah, and a smooth and a smoother system, smoother system. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we hosted our we did our video on Facebook. We went live, just like we are now, to try to explain to people how to get into the Netflix watch party because it's not incredibly complicated, but it is. You know, there are some steps to it, more steps than I think anyone would like. So. Um, we're going to try to figure that out because it's something that could be cool. Like there's potential for it to be cool, the, the whole watch party thing and right. chatting live with people about the movie and you know dissecting it and stuff. So it's not off the table. We're going to try to figure out a, a maybe maybe it's just informing you guys ahead of time. This is what we're doing right? Um, so you guys can prep for it yourself. But um, So that was that. We watched a bad movie. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have a suggestion for this time of year that, that you know, a, a movie you could watch. Passion? Singing in the Rain. Oh. <laughs> didn't you, didn't you guys just watch that? <laughs> didn't you guys just watch that, the, the older people at ABF? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Anyways, okay, so on to, you know, an actual whatever. So, hey, there's nothing wrong with Gene Kelly. So there's only really one thing on the docket to talk to, about today, and really it's a springboard for a larger discussion. But um, so it was either yesterday, earlier in the week, I don't know, 
Um, it, it was in the it was in the news yesterday, but Selena Gomez was was in the the news and the headlines. She w- apparently was on Miley Cyrus's Instagram live show. Apparently, she has one. I don't know. I didn't know that. But so Selena Gomez was on Miley Cyrus's live Instagram like talk show, if you will, from home because that's where we're all at right now. Um, and she was opening up about her experience and diagnosis and stuff with uh, bipolar disorder. I guess she has been diagnosed bipolar. Um, And so she was talking about that uh, and just talking about mental health as a whole. Um, But the reason why I thought it would be um, good to talk about it is because since this whole – since this whole corona thing – and this is really like a – a loose discussion, you know, there's not rigid questions that I want to ask. I just want to open up the discussion for people sure. listening and for, for you guys here. But um, since the whole Corona lockdown thing, I've actually been hearing a lot of a lot about people like in the need to watch out for people um, who are going to slip into some sort of like unhealthy behavior or thinking or whatever, because they are isolated because, you know, they're alone. They're not around people. They're not doing the normal things they do. Um, and I've been hearing a lot about that, like um, in the in discussions, not just like socially, but I've I've even like I think heard about it in in regards to like the task force speaking about it. Like you have to watch out for people the 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 White House task force around the whole Corona thing. Um, you have to watch out for people in their homes because you're you're telling them to stay home. You're let, not letting them live their lives and do the things they do and and do the things they find. Uh, value and worth in, I guess. And so this whole Corona thing, there is a, there's potential for a, um, a side effect of, of, uh, what, what would you call it? I don't even know. Like mental instability. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Um, so I wanted to know what you guys basically think about that. Like, is that, is that something you think is, is a, is a real thing. Like you're telling people through this whole Corona thing, you're telling people to isolate themselves, um, and stay healthy and stay home and stay safe and save lives or whatever the latest slogan is. Um, but is there a side effect potentially that America and the world will have to deal with? And this is going to like rock people's, um, lives in that way. What do you guys think? Well, it's a little bit of a bleed over for me for uh, the nightlight show where we deal with mental health and answer questions and stuff like that. So I have a I have a lot to, to say about it. But I'm wondering if Pastor Monty has anything he wants to say about it first. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly we we have a lot of people today that are um, in their normal lives maladjusted. Which means what? Uh, in for, so many different ways. Which means what so for when people you, listening? When, when, they, when they isolate themselves or they have a forced isolation, um, then uh, that can be extremely difficult for them because of the not being able to, um, you know, not being able to be around people, not being in relationship, uh, just only having themselves. Um, and so, you know, Personally, I, I'm working that through by learning to become a ventriloquist. Okay. Is that, so doll, that, that, is that what that doll is for in the background there? I have my dolls that I can talk to. <laughs> um, but it is, okay. a, yeah, I believe, I believe that it is possible. Yes. That possible meaning that there's a side effect that people are going to be, I don't even know like how to like summarize what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Like, oh yes, no, I I agree with you. I think that there is. I, I I agree with the mental health experts, and I've heard many of them who are in mental health who claim to be experts that they believe that this is something that a a side effect or a side consequence that the country is going to have to deal with. So the whole show just sort of uh, fast-forwarded in my mind about the unpacking of this topic. Okay. Um, and just the the idea of mental health in general and how we should understand it as as believers. Um, hey, Producer Jasmine, can you share this show on the night 
on the Nightlight page also. Since it's going to cross over, might as well. Yeah. Um, so you're saying you, you're you believing what medical experts are having to say. Yeah, that's what you just said. I, what my, having some background in mental health um, and in understanding the situation that man is in regard to who we are uh, at, at as because of the fall and recognizing that the larger percentage of society do not give credence to the work of God, uh, then I believe that, uh, yes, there are many, many people who are maladjusted, and this time period in which we find ourselves is going to be difficult for them. For the believer, this should not be an issue. Because our foundation is in Jesus Christ. And our understanding of who we are is not based upon what the world does or what the world understands, but is based upon who God created us to be and what he's making us into uh, so that we might bring glory to him. This should not be an issue for the believer. But, you know, most of the world uh, reject Christ. And because of that, um, yes, they're going to be unstable in their mental health. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, when you say that it shouldn't be an issue for the believer, I'm not hearing you say that it's not an issue that believers deal with. Deal that, no, with. I, let me make clear, Josh, that, that there are believers that do have issues, but in Christ... They should not. That's all I'm saying. So can can you can you clarify that more? That they should not. What do you mean by that? Well, we've talked about we've talked about the process on uh, shameless plug uh, truth time with Pastor Monty. We've gone through a whole process of explaining the transformation that should be taking place when one becomes a disciple of Christ. Okay, so you're saying... Unfortunately, there are many who claim to have a relationship with Christ who do not recognize or understand the transformation that they have gone through or should be in process of going through. So you're saying due to the sanctification process, the the process by which individuals are made um, in line with how God sees them through salvation, uh, that eventually mental health issues should subside. Yes, yes. We, as believers, if we understand who we are in Christ, then our stability is in Christ and not in the world around us. And we should not have mental health issues because we understand who we are in Christ. What do you think about um, organic problems um, like, let's say, biological, physiological issues that may cause mental health issues? Which they say experts say that bipolar disorder you know might be a dormant biological genetic you know disorder that someone has that is triggered by you know an event or or you know the change of events or something like that and and interpretation of events but it could be at its root a biological or genetic thing what do you think about that well, when you get into the various disorders, first of all, when I was growing up, many of the mental health issues that, that have been identified with various types of things, uh, they didn't have a name for many of them. Sure. So nowadays, you got an acronym for all kinds of different things or whatever. I mean, uh, in the in the mental health industry, bipolar really didn't start showing up as a common expression until probably 30 or 40 years ago. 1957. Yep, there you go. I think so, it was, I think it was so, called mania. You know, or... Manic, just manic yeah. behavior. Yeah. Manic behavior. And, and now, now, you know, nowadays people, they kind of own it. They're like, oh, I'm bipolar. Well, it's used and, as like a chic know. term nowadays. Like it's Well, uh, it has for some people. Yeah. And... And, and so um, I, sure. I would think more that the more common aspect of a, of a uh, mental health issue that uh, 
many believers deal with is, for example, is depression. Sure. And but you're and talking about depression. It, you're talking about depression as exogenic, right? Something that that comes from outside of of the person rather than inside of the person. Right. Well, when you get into an issue like depression, yes, there are there are individuals that have to deal with, for example, chemical imbalances that can bring on depression. Right. And that's what I'm asking the about. Types you... of foods, that type of stuff. Those things can affect a person's mood. Um, and those are real conditions that people need to possibly deal with. But again, the focus for the believer should be who we who who he has created us created us to be in Christ and having a correct and proper understanding of that. For example, at the heart of, not, not to simplify it, but, but in fact to simplify it for this conversation, <laughs> okay. at the heart of depression is, is, uh, is self. Okay. And so an overemphasis on self. And, and in Christ... Self is dead and should not and should not be ruling how it is that we view life. And so for the believer, it may be a struggle to deal with that, but to recognize that we should not be focusing on self, but we should be focusing on the fact that we're a new creation in Christ and we should be working towards glorifying him and working in the body of Christ. So while depression is a real issue that many believers may have to face in and of who they are and how they process outside information, as a believer, their focus should not be on self. And so that's, a, and that's what I'm talking about. I see. Yeah, I think that – so there's a couple things that I think that are really important um, number one, when people have mental health issues, they are serious issues. So people actually are going through something that is very, very large. Um, so that's the first thing. And it should be treated as serious. It shouldn't be treated as a joke. Um, it shouldn't be treated as flippant because that person really is suffering. But you always have to ask yourself you know, where that suffering comes from and whether that suffering is um, in line with who God calls us to be. So in, in almost everything, I would say that I agree with the general overall, um, you know, the overall of what pastor Monty's saying. I, I would say I agree with, with all of it. Um, but yeah, it, how, how to go about that is we, we just have to be really careful with it because it's not a, um, flippant thing. Yeah. It's not something we can be flippant about and something that's why I was pushing for more clarification as to sort of the source and nature of where those things come from. So when Selena Gomez says that, you know, she has bipolar, um, yeah, that's a secular understanding for what she's going through. Um, and we don't know whether it's epigenetic, like something was unlocked in her genes. Um, we don't know whether it comes whether we, we just don't know enough. That's what that's really what it comes down to. We just don't know enough about how the mind works to know what the source is for these things. Um, we don't really know the causation of these things. So with that said, uh, how do we deal with that as Christians? You know, what's, what's our response as Christians. And so when, when I'm counseling people and, and they have lots of, you know, they come from lots of different walks, lots of different areas um, into the into the counseling chair. Uh, the first and foremost thing that you have to address, of course, is is their their faith in Christ and what that means. We're talking about the anthropology of man. We're talking about who man is at his base. And you have to ask yourself the question, are you the supposed disease that you have? Um, and I say supposed because I think that there's a there's a there is a conclusion that a lot of people come to because they've slapped a secular term onto something. So, you know, because uh, we define this as bipolar, and that's how the secular field defines this list of um, behaviors and reactions to stimulus. That therefore I am bipolar. You know, at the end of the day. 
uh, bipolar is just not a big enough definition to speak to who you are as a human being. Mm -hmm. You know, when you say I'm a Christian, Christianity brings with it an understanding of the image of God with which you were made in and defines your personality, right? Bipolar is not a personality. It's a disorder of personality. You're dealing with the, the outworking of the actions of a person and not so much with the heart of a person. A person in their heart isn't bipolar. And if they were, they wouldn't know that there was a problem with being bipolar. Mm -hmm. So that would just be who they are. So it's short-sighted for a person to define themselves based on the condition that they have as being bipolar. And I think that that's one of the dangerous things that we do when we're counseling people is to allow a, a medical diagnosis, a secular diagnosis that doesn't speak to the nature of man or to his relationship with God, which is basically the foundation of who we are as people, to let that be the defining factor. So that's the first thing I would say is you got to you got to redo category errors in the way that people think. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, and and by doing that you're you're like taking the blame away from yourself too and your like heart and stuff, right? Like by by giving it this power and identity, you're saying it's not my fault. It's the bipolar's fault. You know, it's, it's right. this this thing inside of me's fault. And right. this is just who I am. This is this is it has control over me. So you're taking any and, responsibility away from yourself. And I would I would say that that that's that is typical of many of these uh, secular type of. Even though they may have a basis, uh, some basis in, let's say, a faith, um, that's typical of many of the issues that man face in regard to sin and in regard to who they claim to be. So if you're a disciple of Christ, your identification is you are a disciple of Christ. But you right. have people, for example, that struggle with alcoholism, and then they go through a 12-step program, and they're told to say, you know, you, to admit, I am an alcoholic. Which is unfortunate, because... Well, this goes back to what Josh has has, like, Christian roots or something? No, not really. Yeah, yeah well, no? no, it's Roman Catholic, so oh, no, okay, it doesn't. Okay. But, but, but aside from that, the what Josh is saying is absolutely correct, that there is an inappropriate identification which stands in the way of of their their health as a as a believer understanding who they are and my identification is not i am bipolar my right. identification is i'm not i am an alcoholic or i am homosexual or i am whatever my identification as a believer is i am a disciple of christ and i am made whole in him well, and it goes both ways too, right? It's not I am um, morally neutral things. Like I'm a comic book fan, you know? And, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, no, I agree. And it's not morally positive things like where the Bible is positive. Like I, I'm heterosexual. You know, it's not any of those things. It's I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a disciple of yes. Christ. I'm a follower of God. And so you have this um, – yes, John Parker says on our – on our Facebook page, defining ourselves by our disease slash disorder, putting that first. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's, that's going to be the main, you can't really undo anything. You can't make headway here unless you, you do that. Yeah. And all the chemicals that you put into your body to uh, help you inhibit how you feel about that. Cause that's what these chemicals do. They don't correct the problem. That's why you have to keep taking them, right? The, the drugs, yep. you have to keep taking the drugs because they don't protect, um, they don't correct the problem. Yeah. It's band-aids. Yeah. They band -aids inhibit you from bleeding. feeling yeah. the, the weight of the problem. All of those are not going to stop the fact that you feel, uh, disconnected. So, there's another, there's another problem. So the first problem is, you know, defining yourself, your anthropology and your connection to God. Okay. So that's the first thing. This is a multifaceted issue. <laughs> yeah. So then the second thing is your understanding of the environment. The environment pushes back on you because you're a sinful creature living in a sinful environment. So no matter how good you are as a person, no matter how um, moral you see yourself to be, the environment tells you something different. So if you, no matter how, so if you take, you know, drugs to make yourself better, 
Um, and when I say that, again, we're not talking about medically better. We're talking about emotionally. Our 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 um our bar for what is better has now dropped to the idea of not feeling the pain of something, which, by the way, is a really bad bar. Mm-hmm. So, but. If you're taking these drugs to make you feel better, but the world around you still brings you into sort of a melancholia, um, sort of a, a sadness, then you are going to have no choice but to disassociate from that world. You're going to get worse and worse and have to take more and more drugs to make yourself feel better. Um, to Yeah, yeah. You, you, Josh, when you watch the commercials, for example, now, yeah. they're saying that your anti-depression drug is not helping you, so take this in addition to yep. that antidepressant drug, and, and it'll it'll help you feel better. Right, oh, yeah. and and, and what's exactly what you're saying. I, I know someone who recently, you know, made a choice, a harmful choice to themselves, and they were on a low dose of antidepressant of some kind. And the doctor doctor's response after you know her going through this and stuff was to give them a stronger antidepressant. It just yeah. up the dosage. Yeah. 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 So that they can't feel the uh, they can't feel the weight of things. But what scripture tells us is that our placement on this earth specifically involved us dominating it. Um, And I don't mean um, dominating it in like this negative sense. I mean, being a good steward of it, but having the responsibility to control the environment. So when we let our environment control us and put us into a position um, where basically we're subject to how good the day was rather than the day being determined by us, then it goes against us. It goes, it goes against the, the internal nature with which who we were created to be. So it's very, very multifaceted. Everything's working against you. But then at the heart of the issue um, where you can really start to see changes is that if you are a believer, then the work that you're supposed to be doing in your life um, has to do with your understanding first and foremost of who you are before God. Secondly, that your responsibility is to not let the environment control you um, and that you are to conform yourself and your environment to who God has called you to be. And then thirdly, to not, um, to not take on false narratives about who you are and to take responsibility for that, that process. Right. And so what we have here is a difficulty in what we call the medical model of counseling, where essentially um, you have a problem that is affecting you that's outside of your control. And so in order for you to get help, you need to go outside of um, your responsibility to, to, to fix it. And so this is why you go to a doctor, this is why you go to um, to get drugs and you have to keep going back to it. Right. But the scripture presents something completely different. It says that with the Holy Spirit given to us, we have not only the uh, the responsibility to conform the environment um, and to correct the narrative that's being given to us, but that we also have the ability, the agency to do so with the power of the Holy Spirit. And. So just starting off with correcting that narrative is a huge um, is a huge player in your success. Do you believe that God is victorious in things like mental health? That's going to be a, a large portion of your success. Do you believe that there is that God's victory extends not just to hellfire, but also to mental health? And I want you to think about that from just a theological standpoint how could how can how can you rightfully believe that God can take you out of hell, but that He can't save your mind? Yeah, there's something bizarre about that. Um, the thing is, is that our culture is ripe for excuses because we believe that we we've been inundated with this concept that there's nothing that we're at fault for, right? That the the fault right. that we have is due to the fact that. Um, We've had institutions and ideas placed onto us by institutions that are making us feel guilty, but that we're not actually guilty for. Um, and that's Freud talks about that. Yeah. Go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, I can't, I can't stand, you know, you see, you know, there's, there's been a number of like shootings, obviously in the last several years 
in the country and and the the pro gun the pro gun side would say there's it's not a gun issue we have in our country it's a mental health issue and i get what they're saying like and i'm like pro gun even but even in saying that it's it's like personifying this thing this mental health thing as as something that has like control and power so I don't know. It just really bugs me when when that is even said. Um, I don't I don't disagree that like people obviously like you said earlier that like it's a real struggle and it's a real thing and you don't you don't make light of it and it's not flippant and you don't deal with it in that way and I agree with all that. But even in saying that, it's like there's like a weird an off perspective. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's an off perspective about the whole thing and how to how to even start tackling it because it's it's already giving more power to something than than should be there. Yeah, well, it's you know? an, it's, it's okay. focus focus is wrong. Jo- Josh's explanation is is uh, is accurate, but note that Josh's explanation is complex in nature, and the difficulty is is that people want a. a oversimplification yeah. of a complex issue. Sure. Mm-hmm. And for example, in your really, I, I mean, I agree with you um, to a large extent, Adam, uh, for example, your, your uh, issue with the uh, pro gun, you know, the, what, what the, what the uh, NRA and the pro gun people are trying to do is to take a simplified approach Towards, towards a false narrative, which is being presented by the opponents to gun rights, and and uh, they're trying to simplify a fairly complex issue, and that's what the world tends to do. The world tends to not want to delve into the complexities of how to correct some of these issues. They want to give a simplified approach, and uh, like you said earlier, a band aid hoping that that will take care of it, and uh, it's woefully uh, lacking in its ability to present somebody uh, a, a whole approach uh, which will uh, be positive towards their uh, growth as individuals. So, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk about what, what a workable approach would be to, to mental health. So you have to have all of those you have to have all of those precedents in play. You have to have your understanding of who you are in God, you have to have your understanding of the world and your connection to it. You have to have an understanding that your narrative um is unstable, mm-hmm. right? That your narrative is unstable. And and so the next the next part of that is then understanding that if your narrative is unstable, um you need a transcendent narrative. You need something that's outside of your worldview, not to solve your problem, but to explain the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really important, that's a really important thing. So people, they understand that naturally. That's why they go to the doctor, right? They go to the doctor because they're looking for a transcendent. Yeah. The doctor's bigger than themselves. Right. The a transcendent worldview. More, but the problem is the doctor's just a man people. And, and the doctor's just practicing, right? Pastor. Yeah. That's right, and I just go to my doctor because he can prescribe drugs and I can't. Okay, okay. You're undoing everything. All right. With that. So anyway, the, the, <laughs> undoing everything. The, the problem is that the the problem is is that the, the doctor's just a man. He has the exact same issues as you. Yeah. Uh, the drugs are unfeeling. They don't they don't know what you're going through. They can't help you. And quite frankly, they just inhibit you from feeling what you should be feeling. They take away, mm-hmm. as Francis Schaeffer would call it, the mannishness of man. Mm. So. How do you how do you deal with this? Well, you take the, you take the transcendent approach and you go to something that has shown itself to be transcendent. So scripture is transcendent, right? It stands the test of time. Believe it or not, if you don't, then you haven't really studied it. Um, and that is a conversation not for here and for another right. time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, scripture is transcendent and you take the scripture and you look at what it says about man. And basically what it says about us is something that we already know which is that despite our issues, there's a certain morality that we're supposed to follow. And that moral code actually helps us to be better people. Um, And so I'll give you an example. A person who, uh, who um, has uh, like sexual tendencies, deviant tendencies, for instance, 
the more that they and when I say tendencies, what I really mean is they have an inclination. They're like curious about these things, right? They don't see walls in our morality the same way that other people do, right? So if they indulge these tendencies, then they start to explore that world. The world gets bigger for them and problems ensue in their life and in everybody else's life, right? Mm-hmm. But if they control those tendencies, then and they understand those tendencies as abnormal um, as opposed to normal to them, then they're able to function properly within society. They don't – and then on top of it, they're, they have better relationships and they're more stable. Now, does this mean that the tendency is not pushing on them all the time? No, it doesn't mean that. The tendency can be pushing on them all the time. And you might say, well, that's not fair to lock them into that tendency. You know, to lock them into a place where they're where they're having to constantly battle that tendency, they should be allowed to experience it. But the truth is, that's the world we live in. That's how societies are built. Mm-hmm. You know, people have these tendencies. They want to steal things. They want to rape people. They want to murder people, so on and so forth. And we know we hold people as culpable for their morality. So why do we tell somebody that they can't rape somebody else? Well, we tell them that because, A, it's immoral. Something transcendent has told us that. And, B, because it's not good for society. And, C, it's not good for them, right? So we don't just allow people to indulge their tendency. You may like Totino's pizzas, but that doesn't mean that you should keep eating it over and over and over again and make it the only thing in your diet. It is okay for us to be directive with people. Sorry. It's okay for us to be directed with people. And somehow in the mental health community, what we have done is we've taught people to indulge Mm -hmm. that. And that goes back to Freud and talking about the ego and the superego and so on and so forth. Get rid of your guilt feelings. That's right. You got to get rid of your guilt feelings. Embrace your passions. Yeah. So somehow we've taught them to indulge it. But in everywhere else, we are directive. With our police, we're directive. With our doctors, we're directive. You know, our doctors don't tell people, uh, you know, well, you're pre-diabetic, so, you know, you should lean into that. Keep eating the candy. <laughs> you should lean into your diabetes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not how that works. Two negatives make a positive. No. <laughs> so in any case – that's that's not how that works. So we need to so we as counselors need to understand that there's value in being directive. And the scripture is directive in the way that it approaches mental health and it basically says to you, look, we get that you struggle with this. Like that's a part of sin. You know? You have abnormal tendencies and when I say abnormal based on the transcendent standard of God, right? So God created human beings perfect, but we fell and because of that we have some abnormal tendencies. Uh, we're not to let those things control us. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, maybe you're going to struggle with this. You're going to struggle with this possibly for the rest of your life, but there is salvation and there is hope. um, If not in this life in the next, and that hope can have a meaningful impact. But what you have to do is you have to stop telling yourself the narrative that this is my definition. This is my standard. This is who I am. So on and so forth. And if you can do that, in one moment, then you can do it in the next. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important thing to understand because a person may say, I had to indulge my tendency, but then why aren't you indulging your tendency right now when you're feeling guilty about, you know, having, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you can, if you can restrain yourself in one moment, you can restrain yourself in the next. And so it's a false narrative. And a lot of it has to do with lying. So I'm not, in terms of what the truth is. So I'm not saying that, you know, you're not, if you suffer, if you suffer from mental health, I'm not mental health issues like bipolar. I'm not saying that you aren't medically bipolar. Yeah. I'm sure you are medically bipolar, the secular, um, uh, categorization for it. But I can tell you that taking drugs is not going to make you better because it's a heart issue that's at stake. Um, and so the heart issue isn't that in your heart you're is, – is understanding that in your heart you're not bipolar. <laughs> your, your mind may be bipolar. Maybe there's an organic you – know, like I said, we don't know enough about it. But what we do know is that the tendencies that we have, we can conform to God's image. We can struggle. And if you choose to not struggle, then you're lying about your choice as a human being. How 
how are you supposed to feel good ever again if you take away the idea that you are a sovereign human being able to make these choices and affect this world? You will never feel good about yourself again. So either you have the choice to affect yourself in real time, in real space, in a meaningful way, or you don't. And you are merely a slave mm. to whatever has happened to you. Now you say again, oh, that's not fair. Like what's going on in my mind is something I can't control. Tell that to a paraplegic. Mm. Tell that to somebody who, you know, has had something massive happen to them, you know, people, survivors of, you know, terrible traumas and so on and so forth that go on to do great and meaningful things. Mm -hmm. It's not like that didn't affect them. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're not missing a hand or missing the ability to control something or that they don't wake up in the middle of the night with terrible screams or nightmares or so on and so forth, but they move forward and they move on because they're yeah. not locking themselves into a narrative that's untrue. I'm connecting this strangely with the, I was listening to a podcast recently where this Navy SEAL former Navy SEAL and former Navy SEAL instructor was talking and because you're talking about moment to moment and controlling that moment to moment and not being overcome with uh, this bigger idea of what it is and its power over yeah. your life and stuff. And, yeah. And he was talking about how in, in BUDS, they call it, BUDS is the, is the training program that Navy SEALs go through. Um, that is basic the hunger. most dopey sounding name for the most awesome, <laughs> the most awesome BUDS, thing. That stands for basic underwater demolition for SEALs. Yeah. Um, but he was saying that the people that make it, because the percentage of people that make it out of BUDS is obviously very small. Right. It's not just anybody that's getting right. out of this crazy intense thing where they put you through <laughs> – hell you yeah know, and then whatever um but he said that the people that make it through buds are the people that are moment like thinking about things moment to moment they can only torture me for so long and then they have to feed me they right can only they can only you know put me out there in the freezing cold for so long and then they have to do this and, and then it's this point and then it's right. bedtime and whatever like so those people are the ones that are successful because they're not overcome with Man, for the next six months, I'm going to be basically drowned, but not quite. <laughs> right. Know, like right, 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 so right, right, right. They're thinking moment to moment, and they're successful because of that. Um, so that was my two cents. It was a weird connection, but it, it, it works. Like the people that are successful in overcoming those big, these bigger things um, are thinking about it in a, in a moment by moment, in a day by day, and in a circumstance by circumstance thing, and making the right choice um, to. Yeah, overcome that. Well, I think the scripture. But, Go ahead. But the beauty for the believer is that the believer doesn't have to stay in uh, in the uh, in the narrative that is presented to them by the world. The beauty of the believer is that as we become closer to uh, as we come closer to Christ in our maturity. Um, the 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 work of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, can can take us entirely away from being subjected to the realities of where our uh, our tendencies might be. So as a as a as a young uh, believer, uh, we still may very well struggle with those mental health issues that were prominent. Uh, in the non-believing world. But as we mature in Christ and we begin to understand who we are in him, uh, then uh, our focus becomes appropriately towards uh, towards that. Then uh, those things uh, that are uh, out, that had outside influence uh, become smaller and smaller and no longer have the gravity they once did. Or the intensity of the struggle, which may have been there at first. Mm -hmm. And that provides for us a, a hope for who we are uh, in Christ. Yeah, I think that that's the practical goal of biblical counseling, right? Is not to take the enemy out. Um, and, and sin is the enemy and all of its effects are the enemy. So, and the devil, you know, like all of those three things are, are the enemy. And so oftentimes you, you have to get, you have to get good with living in bed with the enemy. Yeah. Mastering it. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I, I would never say to a person that you can cure their, um, their medical diagnosis, you know, 
But what you can do is, is you can make it so impotent in your life that it has no actual effect on you. Um, but are you going to have to regiment yourself? Of course, you're living with the enemy. You're living with the enemy until forever. In fact, one of the things forever. they even say, even like medical professionals talking about regimenting yourself for yeah. bipolar disorder, for example, is they say, stay on a regimented schedule. That's what will limit those, right. <laughs> those swings in mood from the high, highest of high to the lowest of low. Um, is, you know, don't, don't be chaotic in your day-to-day life. Right. Well, and that's, I think, I think especially in American society, we, we value our freedom to the extent that we want to have no walls. Yeah. But the truth is that human beings work very, mm-hmm. very well and function a lot better when we give ourselves definition. Don't it, tell it, me what to do. But can you tell me what to do during yeah. this COVID-19 thing? Because I don't really know what to do. What's right. Smart, what's Here, nice? take all of my freedom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but don't tell me what to do. Yeah, I think... I think that that's it's it's there's you know there's a big category error in the way we think about things and especially when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but a scripture that I I would give to anybody out there I'd give to Selena Gomez is um, from Philippians Philippians chapter four uh, verse four and on it says always be full of joy in the Lord I say it again rejoice let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do remember the Lord is coming soon don't worry about anything instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And there's a lot there. There is the concept of mentorship, right? So Paul is is saying, like, you've watched me do this, so walk with me. So there's the concept of relationship and mentorship both with a human being and with God, right? Mm -hmm. Let everyone see – or, sorry, uh, pray about everything, right? So we're not talking – so basically we're saying don't go into your head. Don't go into your head. Get get yourself out there and talk with God and a person who understands what you're going through – and talk with them about everything. And then the, the second thing is be thankful, mm-hmm. right? The, be, book of, the book of James is another good one too. Yes. Talking about this exact thing. Yeah. Be thankful. And when you do that, then you experience God's peace. And that peace is specifically described as one that exceeds or surpasses people's understanding. Mm-hmm. How is it that a Navy SEAL is able to get through his situations? Because he's not locked into the moment. Uh, by specifically focusing on the moment, it's really weird. Yeah, it's like a. It's a really, it's a really weird mind game. Yeah. But you know, you don't be locked into the moment by understanding what the moment is by 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 defining the moment by what it is. And when you're dealing with mental health, these people are going through these storms, these real storms, and so they got to take the storm and they got to define it. Sometimes when I'm with my daughter, who sometimes uh, has these sort of mind flares, I will, when she's freaking out, I'll ask her about things that are in the room. Mm. You know, I'll be like, what color is the wall? How does the carpet feel? Like things like that to pull her back into the, to the moment because she's actually removed herself from the moment and is taking on the big, 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 big picture, right? So you got to pull her back into the moment. And when you pull somebody back into the moment, then they're able to acclimate themselves to the larger picture. It's really weird and sounds backwards, but it's true. If you watched The Punisher season two, you would know what Josh is talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. The, the psych- the psychologist chick or whatever does that. Yeah. Billy Russo. Yeah, that's right. And that's what Cesar Milan does when he trains dogs. He tells the dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, what does he do? No, exactly. He pulls them back in the moment. Oh, yeah. Look at me. When he talks about, when he talks about training dogs and how you do that, when he talks about the fact that they need to be pulled back to the moment because they get distracted. Uh, yeah. distracted. Mm-hmm. yeah, you have to get them to look at you or whatever. Yeah. And then they're immediately like in a submissive state again. Yeah. So I would tell, you know, I would tell Selena Gomez, you know, there, there's hope. There's hope in Christ when you, when you 
step outside of your own definitions when you trust this is funny but when you trust the fact that you are an unstable narrator <laughs> and that the people that you're getting your information from are unstable narrators and then you go to something that is larger than all of that and you put your faith and hope and trust in that and you walk with other people who understand what your situation is um yeah you may not be able to change your diagnosis but you can change its its control of your life and that's going to be the thing with everything people talk about what is it i'm reminded of the office where dwight talks about how his family were fighters he talks about how his grandpa was essentially a nazi he <laughs> talked about how his <laughs> how he talked about how his father and then he was like and my father he fought diabetes and obesity <laughs> you know what i mean and it's funny because it's ridiculous but it illustrates the it illustrates an important point which it, and high blood pressure that's what it was um but it illustrates an important point that we all are fighting various things in our life and those fights are serious so you know i'm not downplaying at all the severity of it I, and i don't think that you i don't think that it's your battle to um i don't think that you can wipe out the enemy i don't think that you can wipe out the enemy what i do think you can do is you can have a meaningful victorious life despite the fact that you have an enemy at the gates all the time just like coronavirus <laughs> you keep your proper social distancing we'll never wipe it out it'll always exist now but how do we manage ourselves with it in our sure. lives sure <laughs> sure no and then just a, in the in the larger thing, you know, because I mentioned at the at the beginning that like I've been hearing a lot about like how are people going to respond to this, and I think that if that's the case that people are slipping into depression and stuff because they can't work now and stuff, it's because they found their productivity and value in something that is sure that is not stable. <laughs> yeah, that's not stable and it's not worth their in, like. Uh, yeah, their identity is wrapped up in that. That's and so well, and they're moving. They're moving now toward more transcendent things than work. Mm -hmm. Trying to find that in family, but guess what, guys? Yeah. That's not going to be enough either. Something's got to define that too. Mm -hmm. Perhaps so, the thing that created the family. So hopefully, this is a, a wake-up call to those people. Like, oh wow, like at just a, at a moment, at a moment's notice, something can be taken away, and now who am I? You know, like so. Hopefully it's a wake up call for those people. So let me plug let me plug the nightlight here because yeah. I assume we're gonna wrap up yeah, here real soon. Uh yeah, so on Thursday nights, most Thursday nights, we have a show here at ABF. We have kind of a raging counseling culture at ABF um in in Portland here. And we uh give on air advice from a biblical perspective. Um, through what we call directive counseling. It takes a newthetic approach or admonishing approach um, to counseling, you know? And so we have a show from, well, we actually, so we have a practice that you can, you can call in. Um, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but uh, producer Jasmine will find it for me. But uh, we have a practice. You can call in. You can also email us counseling.abf at gmail. Um, and you can find our Facebook page uh, at Nightlight. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to contact us. But if you're somebody who wants biblical advice that's directive, that doesn't treat your problems as if they're something that cannot be solved except by pushing them into the closet with drugs, um, you know, you should contact us. Contact us. Uh, so not only do we have all of those options available for you, but we also have a show that we put on called Nightlight Radio where you can actually anonymously or if you want to give your name or whatever, you um, – what? What did you say? The Nightlight Radio stuff is on the screen. Oh, it is? Okay. Nightlight Radio stuff is on the screen. Um, so uh, where you can actually call in and you can get advice – Oh, there it is. Yeah, I see the card. So you can call in and get advice live um, on the air for, for two hours on Thursday nights from 9 to 11. Because um, mental health, it's I, I want to be clear, it's no joke. Like we're talking about it as if it's something that can be worked through because it is something that can be worked through. Um, it can't be worked through by the medical community uh, because it's – by nature, not medical. Yeah, they're addressing the wrong problem. Right. It's a heart it. issue. Mm -hmm. So um, 
yeah, we want to help you. So call us on Thursday nights or send us messages at any time and we can get you scheduled for, for some uh, advice sessions. So yeah, there's my plug. Let episode seven here of culture and sanity be your doorway into that. If that's something that you would like, um, and you know, take us up on that service. Um, so I guess with that, thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, look forward to our next, uh, our next output, our next production. Um, we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about our watch party situation because we want to, we want to explore that more. Um, thanks pastor for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.